Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. I think Joe's position on it was that it was a marquee game and he would have liked to have seen it played in prime time. He's certainly entitled to that position uh, and he and I talked about it uh, extensively in the, in the time before he made his comments. But um, having said that, uh, we all signed the TV contract and we can change it the next time around if we want to change it. Uh, but. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to live by the stipulations of our television agreements, and that's what we did on this occasion. Yeah, well, Joe said we're gone. What do you think about that? Well, that comment from Bowlesby happened uh, around a year ago. So that did not age great. And yeah, you're right. While he was saying that, Joe C working behind the scenes with the SEC to better OU's future. That's right. And then it wasn't, you know, I don't know whenever all the conference meetings, well, it was media day. So it's what, July, middle of July? Whenever that goes on, yeah, I no, uh, okay. So a year ago was, I guess, is is when it was announced that OU and Nebraska would be at eleven a.m. Right? Maybe that right. was a year ago. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. later, but he made that comment then, and then later at, you know, Big Twelve Media Day was, was the week before SEC Media Days, and the comment there was something along the lines of, "I'm not losing any sleep over it." Something whenever it comes to conference realignment and possibly OU or whoever uh, wanting to leave. And uh, I think he ended up losing some sleep over yeah. it. OU put out – Joe C. put out a statement after the announced uh, 11 a.m. game between OU and Nebraska. That's right. Wow, that was interesting. And a year later, man, we're talking about could OU be in a 3-6 SEC scheduling model where they play the Florida Gators every single year. It's wild. Yeah, the the Florida. I, I wonder how they arrive at Florida, just because bit of a history there. Um, national championship game, recent Sugar Bowl matchup. I guess I the Cotton Bowl. Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Cotton Bowl matchup. Outside of that, those two games. I mean, nothing, nothing really. But it's interesting that they came up with the Florida. idea of it's fun though, yeah. right? OU in Florida, and that's kind of what I'm hoping for is. You know, we're rolling in the SEC, banking on, all right, well, Texas will still be your main rival, but you might develop somewhat of a rivalry with Arkansas, potentially with A&M. I love the idea of developing some sort of a back and forth with no one that you're predicting right now, be it Florida, be it Georgia, be it Tennessee. I'm looking at one of the teams in the East. Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee, that would be a lot of fun to play on a year-in, year-out basis every single year. I agree. Do you have a preference in that three, Florida, Georgia, or Tennessee? Georgia. Yeah, just because they're a better program? Yeah. Yeah. I would probably rank them Florida – or, excuse me, Georgia, Tennessee, Florida. <laughs> You're only putting Tennessee above Florida because Heupel's there, and you want to see that uh, intriguing storyline. Um. That's part of it. I think Tennessee is uh, – I think they're getting better. I think they're going to have a good team next year. But 
the other part is I've heard Gainesville is just okay, but Knoxville Knoxville's awesome. was awesome. Yeah. So that's that weighs in pretty heavily too. Florida fans a little bit nastier than the Tennessee fans, I think, as well. Tennessee fans, for the most part, seem like they're pretty cool. Yeah. I guess that could change once uh, you become SEC brethren. Yeah, and I think it probably also changes as as you get better. You know, whenever you're mired in a 20-year downturn, it's it's hard to really throw your weight around at people, you know, whenever you're a, a fan base. But uh, whenever you start winning games and, and maybe start knocking off a couple of big opponents, that the ego starts to grow a little bit. And remember Tennessee, what they threw all that stuff at Kiffin, right? Yeah, um, they threw golf balls at him, and that's why Kiffin threw out the first pitch of an Ole Miss baseball yeah. game this year, and he threw out a golf ball instead of a baseball on the mound, in, right. which they were playing Tennessee that night, by the way, in nice. baseball. So the story we're referencing today is one from SI.com, and the headline says, No conference has such a stark split among its haves and have-nots than the SEC. So, of course, the league is deadlocked on a new scheduling model. They've narrowed 30-plus formats to two. Eight game, one permanent rivalry game. So you play one team every single year, and then you play seven rotating opponents every single year, essentially. So in the um, eight-game format, OU plays Texas every single year, and that's the only permanent game OU plays every year. The rest of the seven SEC games are completely not completely random but you know what i mean they're going to rotate around two comments on that one okay i like that format better with two caveats number one i want it to be nine game schedule so as do i number two that's dependent on a 12 team playoff though i feel like the nine game schedule just a hunch yeah, there, uh, well, which is going to happen, by the way. The, it, the playoff is they're going to make it dependent on that. But frankly, in my opinion, it doesn't matter. But you know, the, you're right; they're going to tie it to that. Um, so, number one, nine game nine game conference uh, schedule, and number two, I need I need assurance somehow of how the other games are broken up. I don't want this crap where we're seeing the the top teams are not facing each other like it is right now. Yeah. I don't want that. If if you can assure me that like if you've got the if it's a 1 and 8 and like there should be a system to where whatever they lock in, you know who you're going to play and win, right? May not know if it's going to be home or away on, on on a certain year or the first year or whatever, but you should know how it's going to come come down on you at to some degree, right? And you know the fact that you don't. It sounds like that that's what they they would try to have more elite teams against more elite teams because, like it said, no conference has such a stark split amongst its have and have nots than the SEC. It feels like they would want to go more elite matchups mm-hmm. than, you know, they, they want more Alabama-Oklahoma than Alabama-Vanderbilt, yeah. you know. And and maybe maybe the schedule is done by, by seeding. 
like where you finished the previous year and uh, I know yeah, okay. and, and I know it's hard to do that because in college football because of turnover uh, you can't just assume someone's going to be as good as they were the previous year a lot of stuff can happen but yeah I, I think that some type of uh, you kind of know what you're going to get on your schedule the, the following year yeah. I think is good now, the other scheduling format is the nine-game SEC schedule, three plus six. So, SI took um, they took a guess as to what OU's three opponents would look like every single year. They roll with Texas, they go with Missouri, and the surprise, they go with Florida, which... That is a surprise, but I love the idea of having someone random like Florida in the three versus just the three teams that we've been throwing around now for several months. Yeah. I I don't mind someone random, but I, I guess I don't understand. If you're just gonna pick if you're gonna pick three teams that you play every like why even do that? I if you've got a tied in rivalry game give it to someone. If you've got two tied in rivalry games, like you've got a an out-of-state rival and an in-state rival, give it to them. But I don't know why you need to lock everyone into to three games. Yeah, I, I, I don't know either. Um, again, they, they've had over a 30-plus scheduling model. Sounds like they're down to, to just two. So it sounds like that's, this is what they may be rolling with. Things can change. We all know that. Um, yeah, OU, Texas, Missouri, and Florida. Texas would play OU, A&M, and Arkansas. A&M would play LSU, Texas, Mississippi State. So immediately I laugh at this and say, well, A&M and Texas are going to kick and scream if they have to play each other every single year. So that's one. For Alabama, they had Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. And I say, (laughs) I don't think Alabama is going to go for having to play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every single year. And granted, they've owned all three of those teams since Saban's got there. Tennessee has not beaten them since Saban's got there. LSU's only beat them, what, three times maybe? And Auburn's had some luck, but that's a pretty tough little three-game set every single year. Yeah, it it is. Um, Here's what I don't like. The whenever they they're trying to lock you in with three opponents, it's instead of doing the just lock in your rival, the one and seven model or whatever it was. I feel like they're locking you in, like they're going to lock different teams into. Okay, so imagine if you're a oh, take Tennessee. If you're locked in to Alabama every year, um, I guess what I'm saying is like, if you're a middle of the road team, like who your three teams locked in to be could like really screw you. Well, it has for Tennessee. They got to play Georgia every single year. They got to play Alabama every single year, and they got to play Florida every single year. Right. I mean, that's that's a pretty tough three. They got to play every year. Yeah. So, I guess that's what I'm saying is like. Why why do you feel the need to lock teams into like three teams that they're they have yeah, to play? Because yeah, there I don't think that there's a team in the conference where 
you know, there's one or two teams that say we have to play. I mean, we have to play these three games every single year. Yeah. I mean, Bama wants to play Auburn and Tennessee. That's good for them. I, I feel like it's two at the most for most teams. Yeah. Give them, give them those two. I if if Oklahoma picked two that they'd have to play, Texas would be one. I mean, is there even a number two? I don't think there is. And you know, I'm sure like Ole Miss and Mississippi State would pick one another. Um, Texas A&M and Texas would not pick each other, so you don't have to worry about that. I just, I don't, I guess I don't know. I feel like they're 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 throwing out that number of three to lock people in because they can they can really dictate. They can either tamp down the progression of a program. Or they can keep a program elevated yeah. by giving three guaranteed locked-in games. It's almost games. like they want to keep some programs elevated. Right. Like they want to do everything they can uh, to keep some elevated as much as possible, yeah. which is Alabama, Georgia, Florida. Uh, well, we're just really the, the, the schools that have the biggest fan base, essentially. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why there's, there's the need for that. It just, it, yeah. It's weird. Hey, uh, text line, Air Cover Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, what scheduling model do you prefer in the SEC? The 1 plus 7, the 3 plus 6, pods, divisions, random every single game? Maybe that's what they'll do. They'll just draw at random uh, the Monday of every single game week. Uh, midnight after after on Saturday night. Yes. Okay. Let's see what well, we got next week. You'll be in bed. and You wouldn't figure it out till Sunday uh, morning. But yeah, for everyone else, it yes. does sound awesome. Well, that is that is definitely true. Well, um, yeah. I don't know. I want. I I would like to know the reason why they they want to do it that way instead of like you've already admitted that you just need one lock in game. So if you just need one locking game, why are you even playing around with the three locking games? Text line's asking, when will we know what they finally decide about the schedule in the SEC? Not for a year. Yeah, not for a while, but it is interesting that reportedly, and this is the second person that's had the story in as many days, that they're down to this this two scheduling methods, the one plus seven or the three plus six. Right. I, I'm surprised that the pods aren't really even a thought because that's what all the momentum was was towards. Yeah. I want them to do it like the World Cup draw with ping pong balls every spring. That's on the text line. See, that's what I'm saying. There's a reason there's a reason that they don't do it totally random like that. Because they they need to favor certain programs and keep certain programs elevated and keep certain programs tamped down. One rivalry game and the rest ping pong ball draw. Get what you get, no arguments. If you get Bama, sorry about your luck. Yeah. Two divisions, upper division and relegation division based on records over a four-year period. That'd be cool. Relegation, I'm always about that. Yeah. Just so Texas would be the relegated after the first four years. Well, I, uh, there needs to be a fair – if, if you really want all of your programs to thrive, there needs to be a kind of a fair mix. The better you are, the tougher your schedule is. Um, and, you know, you don't just get to beat up on the uh, the teams that are down. But, uh, again, that's why I feel like they're doing the guaranteed. Oh, Kentucky, we see you're on the rise. Congratulations. Your guaranteed games are Georgia, Alabama, and LSU. 
Why are you talking about the SEC? The SEC will not even be around in 2025. By then, college football will change. Listen, college football could blow up, uh, but there will be one thing still left standing if college football totally you know, tries to just dis- – the SEC will be the one thing that stands. That's interesting. That person sent the same text message like two weeks ago. <laughs> They're just – for sure that the SEC is not going to be around. I assure you, the SEC will be around in uh, 2055, 2085. Name a year. If there's human existence, the uh, SEC will be playing football. Oh, there it is. Oh, you can't even recruit. I saw that up there. Yeah. The apocalypse will happen, Teddy, and people in the southeast will be, well, got Bam in week four. Going to be pretty tough. Wonder if this affects things at all. Probably not. We're still going to go to the ball game. We'll be mired into civil war, and everyone will leave the front to go uh, watch games on Saturday. Alabama, LSU. Vanderbilt will be the Texas New Kansas. Oh, that's a great point. Um, if Vanderbilt were to beat Texas, he, Vanderbilt has to be on Texas' schedule early on just for the pressure cooker because, buddy – the Kansas game this year is going to be – I can't imagine the pressure Texas is going to feel playing Kansas it. this year in Lawrence. If they, gotta, if they get Vanderbilt in the first year of the SEC, ooh, yeah, there will be a lot of pressure there. I think if, if Texas starts to improve the program, the SEC may bring Kansas to the, uh, to the conference just to slow their roll a bit, tamp things down there for Texas. Now, hang on a second. We're sending you guys on the road to Kansas next year. Um, fun stuff, though. I, Yeah, they'll have 32 teams and play like the NFL, the texter says. I, I agree that the SEC may continue to grow, and they've hinted on doing their own postseason. I, I think if if the SEC was able to get a Clemson, FSU, Notre Dame, and maybe a Miami, then they would go at it alone. Yeah. They would they would totally say, yeah, we've got we've got enough of the because really at that point you're missing like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Oregon, USC. Uh, you're not missing very many Anyone that's really factored in other than Ohio State recently, so they they would go out alone. But that's they would still exist. The SEC would still exist. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Football. You love it. We love it. You live it. We live it. You need it. We got it. Nobody covers college football better. The rush right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. At Landers, we're all about you. The smile makers, the trailblazers, people doing what they do best, making things happen for those that need it most. The kind of people that are true game changers. And we're all about giving you the exact vehicle you're looking for. If you don't see exactly what you want, we'll find it. Pre-order online or right from our store today during the Ram Make the Switch event. Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman is driven to serve. 
about the last time you moved. Remember how you said you'd never do it alone again? We know moving is tough, but at Two Men and a Truck, we make it easy. No matter the move, big or small, we'll make it a smooth one. We're the movers who care, and we'll prove it with our full-time employed, background-checked movers. We're local and affordable, and we can help at a price that won't make you wish you'd done it on your own. For home and business moving, call the movers who care. Two Men and a Truck, 405 708-7707. When the Sooners hit the diamond. Line shot, left field, base hit. Win column, Sooners, game over. We have you covered on the Sports Talk Network. That's hammered to left and deep, and it's a grand slam. This is your home for OU baseball. Sports Talk, 1400 AM and 99.3 FM. The Sports Talk Network, the home of Sooner fans. Catch them all, young man. The Red Sports Radio Network. At Riverwind, we know what you need. You need the best. You're simply the best. Riverwind is OKC's number one casino experience. We promise you the best food, drinks, and service. The best buffet. You won't find better than number one. Get ready for summer at the one. Hey guys, TJ here for my friends over at Joe's Wines and Spirits. And now that we're in May, it's time for graduation parties, trips to the lakes, and swimming in the backyard. And when you need a great selection on your favorite beer, wine, or liquor, do what I do and go see Kathy and her staff. They have tons of specials and great advice when you're looking to try something new. Joe's is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and noon to 5 on Sunday at 1330 East Alameda right here in Norman or visit Joe's Wines on Facebook for all their monthly specials. Hello, this is Terry Saxon, broker owner of Saxon Realty Group. My $8.99 listing fee to sell your home is all the listing commission you'll pay. It's a no-brainer. I'm saving sellers thousands of dollars in listing commissions. In today's market, real estate is 100% internet driven, meaning no other realtor can sell your home any faster or slower than another. In fact, the listing realtor doesn't even sell your home. The internet does. So why waste thousands in the process? I give you the same full service other realtors offer, just at a fraction of the cost. Call me today at 405-361-3380 or visit my website at saxonrealtygroup.com. NextGen. Experience the next generation of personal training at Norman's NextGen Fitness. This is Miles, one of the trainers at NextGen. Our unique design at NextGen Fitness includes private and group personal training along with personalized programs that our elite trainers can provide for you. Call 405-360-0001 or stop by and let myself or our team of elite trainers train you. NextGen Fitness. We've been social distancing for years. Norman Edmund Tulsa. Are you looking for great summer activities for your kids? Hey, it's Tyler McComas for Hey Day's Kids Summer Fun Camp. Sessions start June 13th and run through the first week of August. So if your kids like bowling, mini golf, laser tag, plus STEM-focused projects, plus much more, go to heydayfun.com camps and sign up today. If your kid is between the ages of 6 to 14, then Heyday has you covered this summer with their Kids Summer Fun Camps. Register today. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas and Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. And speaking of the SEC, I do have some very unfortunate news on that front. 
Um, our favorite play-by-play guy in the SEC actually just retired this offseason. Ah, Mick Huber's gone. That was an awesome call. Great, great, great call. What game was that? Who were they playing? That was Will Greer playing quarterback for Florida. So that seems like six or seven years ago. ago. I think they were playing Tennessee that game. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Retired, huh? Okay. Go enjoy the retired life. I don't blame you. Uh, Just a bummer. Just a bummer that we're not going to get to hear him. All right. um, College football transfer portal rankings. The 25 highest rated players in the 2022 cycle from 24-7 sports. Dylan Gabriel ranks as the 25th player available in the portal this offseason. He's behind guys such as Jaleel Billingsley who transferred from Alabama to Texas. Oh, yeah, who, the Billingsley kid. He played real small in the national championship game. R- real small. Yeah, he's basically the guy that Saban called out about 15 times since that game, right? Yeah. Um, Everyone's and, upset that they haven't been playing all year, and then they get the opportunity in the national championship game, and they don't do squat. They're yeah. not prepared. But he's ranked higher than Dylan Gabriel in the portal. Uh, Texas got a wide receiver from Wyoming. He's ranked higher in these rankings. Michael Trigg, the tight end of Ole Miss from USC, ranked higher. Uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, transfer from Oklahoma State. Uh, you, you get the idea. Is I, I think that once again, I, at least I think that Dylan Gabriel is criminally underranked. What, what am I potentially missing here? What are we potentially missing? What's... What's the situation here where we are massively overvaluing Dylan Gabriel as a QB? I, it's hard to find one. I, if you're ranking a wide receiver from Wyoming higher than Dylan Gabriel, who's going to be the starting quarterback on a team that I think at least – at some point during the season will be a top five football program. I I think that that is dramatically undervaluing someone. But I guess um, I I guess the thought perhaps is that playing against better opponents, better defenses in the Big 12 Conference as opposed to when he was with UCF. Like, maybe that's it. I honestly, I can't I can't tell you. I don't, like I don't have Jackson an Dart is number seven on this list, who transferred to Ole Miss, and the reason why he didn't transfer to OU is because it was, you know, pretty commonly known that he was not going to win the starting quarterback battle over Dylan Gabriel at OU. Right. But, you know. Gabriel's ranked at 25, and Jackson Dart's ranked all the way up at number seven. I think that on paper... Quinn Ewers is number two, Caleb Williams number one. Yeah. I think on paper, um, I think that the Dart kid is, is a guy that's got a higher ceiling, perhaps, than Dylan Gabriel, 
that can do some different things, but it doesn't change the importance. And I, I, I don't think whenever you're whenever you're saying like a transfer portal, like where you're ranking the player as far as transfer portal, I don't think it necessarily has to be all about how good that player is, right? Jackson Dart has the potential to be really, really good. Well, guess what? It's, frankly, at Ole Miss, it's, it may not amount to very much. I mean, Matt Corral was an absolute stud. And, you know, they had a good year, but they didn't win the SEC. They didn't make the semifinal. They didn't win a national championship. They didn't even win their bowl game against Baylor. So it has to be more than just how good the player is. It has to be like, what what does it mean? And the fact that Oklahoma got Dylan Gabriel or Dylan Gabriel got Oklahoma, however you want to put that, it has an impact on what perhaps is going to go down in the college football season. Well, I mean, it's, it's the single most important thing outside of the coaching hire at least personnel-wise, it happened to OU this offseason. I mean, e- even as it sits now, our, our thoughts about this team next year dramatically change if Dylan Gabriel is not in the picture for some reason. He is, without a doubt, the most important player on the roster next season. I uh, could easily value that. I could easily make an argument that Dylan Gabriel transfer to Oklahoma is the most important transfer in all of college football. Because Oklahoma has a legitimate chance to be in the college football playoff. Now, I don't know of any other quarterbacks that transferred somewhere that that you can say that team has a legitimate chance to make the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you'll get the hot takes about USC, but let's be realistic here. They're not ready to go from 4-8 and eight to a playoff team. Texas, Quinn Ewers is not going to change Texas from a 5-7 and seven team to a playoff team. Bama's got the quarterback back. Ohio State's got their quarterback back. Clemson's got their quarterback back with a new freshman there. OU's got a transfer quarterback. Georgia's got their quarterback back this year. Um, who am I missing? Maybe Oregon. Maybe Oregon. But I think Oregon Bo still Nicks? might be a stretch with uh, with Bo Nix. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of the – like, I can, make a, I can make a case that it's the most important transfer of the entire season. Um, you know – that doesn't mean that he's the best player that transferred. It's just it's a huge move for both he and um, he and Oklahoma. So we'll see how it folds out, though. I mean, I, I, I I'm not I'm not eliminating anyone from the college football playoff, but I'm just making a judgment based off of what those programs have done recently and what's a realistic expectation of what they could possibly do this coming season and Texas USC it's not realistic to expect them to make that type of jump in one season Oklahoma who has been on the verge of making the playoff basically every year the playoff has uh, been in existence except for the very first year it's not out of the realm of possibility and it's not outlandish to suggest that they've got a chance to make the playoffs. I just look, I, I think he's going to have a great year. I, I just wanted to at least explore in case we're just missing something with Gabriel. And 
if he's not one of the better quarterbacks, I mean, if if the ranking that we just read off holds up, I tend to think that it's about the situation around him more than it is about him individually. If they get poor offensive line play, okay. I mean, there's probably right. a scenario where he's the 25th best uh, transfer that happens in the portal. But if everything around else around him is good, I I think that he's I don't know, I think he's going to take a team to a college football playoff. So it's just a Another ranking that I disagree with, and I think that Dylan Gabriel is very undervalued coming into this year, which is weird because he has he has a nice little resume at a school, man. At he's a got school, a better resume than any of the other transfer quarterbacks, and it ain't close. At a school that I think is respected nationally for what type of offense they put together recently. Sure, there's a long enough track record now to where we can say, yeah, UCF plays good offense. Here's the other thing. You know, Caleb Williams gets a ton of love, and rightfully so. The kid's got uh, a ton of talent. We'll see what happens with it. But it's not its not outlandish, and frankly, I'm leaning towards uh, making it my official stance. Like, I think Dylan Gabriel is going to have a better wide receiver core than Caleb Williams had last year. Is going to have a better offensive line than Caleb Williams had last year. Yeah. Is going to have a better tight end group than Caleb Williams had last year. And this is the one I'm I'm questionable on, but it's close. Possibly running back. You're just now coming around to make that prediction? I felt good no, about that for a while. No, now. I'm just saying that like we've talked about those things and we've said those things, but the narrative is that there's no one left on on OU's roster. It's not true, and it's just not true. Right, Mario Williams transferred to USC. Yeah, okay. You want me to show you what Mario Williams did last year? Very, very, very replaceable. Um, Stogner had a down year. He's been down since he had had the injury. Um, Hazelwood, Hazelwood has made a couple of plays. But never hit his full potential. I think a change in scenery is probably good for Hazelwood. Kennedy Brooks, the production That's for the sure it. will be tough. But I mean, if Javante Barnes is what we think he might be, they'll they'll be okay at they'll be all right at running back. I mean, th- that's that's the thing is Kennedy Brooks is the one that I'm I'm a little slow on on saying just yeah they're going to be better there. But I mean, Hazelwood had. He had 39 catches, 399 yards. I mean, it's a good solid year, but that is that's totally replaceable. Mario Williams had 35 catches, 380 yards. Totally replaceable. I mean, I I Hazelwood did have the most touchdowns as a wide receiver at six, but I I am I am in in no nowhere near thinking that. I, I'm pretty locked in at the wide receiving core is better this year than it was yeah, last year. Yeah, I, I, um, I'd be shocked. I will be shocked if it's not. If you want to look at production, if you want to just look at overall talent, whatever you want to look at, I think by every metric, the wide receiver room will be better than it was last year. Yeah. I, there's, a, there's some guarantees that I can make about this team. I'm willing to put that at like the, the front of my guarantees for this season. The wide receiver core will be better. And, it, you know – when I say running back is is going to be better, I, I should probably put it this way. The running game is going to be better. Sure it will. Um, 
you know, Kennedy Brooks was a 1,250-yard rusher again last season, which, you know, that's – hey, he's automatic when it comes to that. But I think that – I think the rushing, the running game is going to be way better than it was a year ago and really the last two years just because the system is – I think it fits the personnel a little bit better. I think it's kind of more in your face, a little bit more traditional and – think we're going to have a way more physical football team than we've had here recently and that lends itself really well to to running the ball I mean Ole Miss ran it for 217 a game last year we're going to have that same system with better players in my opinion so don't disagree there you go all right quick timeout more from the rush coming up couple segments left stay tuned Final hour, it is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Air Coverage Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Who's the new SEC rival for OU? Texas will become old news after the switch. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't. Good, bad, uh, hating Texas will still be as easy as it's ever been. You know what? But that is an interesting, that is an interesting concept. Let's just say, let's just say for a, let's create an, an even SEC schedule for the, let's do the one and the seven. Okay, your one is Texas, right? Um, let's say you throw, throw Vandy in there, throw Ole Miss in there, throw a good game against Georgia, Alabama, whoever you want. Let's say you play Bama. Um uh, who's another mid? You got A and M on there. You got Arkansas, and then you need someone else from from the East. Either, let's see. You you've got maybe Kentucky, all right, and Florida. Okay, that's your schedule. So, um, and I think you could have gone even showier than that, right? I went pretty. It's actually that's about as tame as you can go without having any other big names in there. But you know, whenever you start to imagine it, like right now, it's because of the 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 Big 12, Texas is always going to be the biggest game. They're not always going to be the best team, but it's always going to be the biggest most important game. But if you start playing Bama or Georgia or LSU every year, the level of importance of the Texas game does definitely go down a tier. Maybe. I mean, you're always going to you know, try to recruit hard in the state of Texas. Um, right. So that's going to be a win there. I, a, a reason why the new blood won't affect the OU-Texas rivalry, in my opinion, is the setting, man. Just because you can't, you're not – can't replicate uh, it. A road game in Tuscaloosa is going to be awesome. But is a road game in Tuscaloosa going to be better than one in Athens or Knox? I mean, there's just so many great road environments, but nothing matches up to OU Texas. That's right. why it's always, always going to be relevant. And again, man, they're an easy fan base to hate. I don't think that that's ever going to go away with how arrogant they are. It is true. Uh, I, there's, there's always some things that will definitely never go away. But I, I, I do – I do see the thought of the text a little bit. I mean, 
if you have a season where you're playing, uh, let's say you got a non-conference against Michigan. We got that coming up, right? Yep. You got a non-conference against Michigan coming up. You play, you play Bama at home. You play at LSU. You got Florida. I the Texas game can settle in there really quickly to where it's not nearly as standout. Like it, I'm just saying. Like right now, it's the end all be all because there there's there's really no other game that even is comparable. And I'm not saying the others are, but. I could see, understandably, how it could take the shine yeah. off of the game I think, a bit. I think it's um, withstood the test of time, though, just because you weren't in a conference forever with Texas, and you also had the Nebraska rivalry that, you know, a majority of those games, True. the Nebraska game probably meant a little bit more, and, you know, that, that game has always kept its luster, so I think it'll just be – I think it'll be just fine. More, more text to get to. I could see us in Florida or us in Tennessee becoming a rivalry – you never know until one random game ends in controversy and all of a sudden you have a reason to hate them. Peyton. That's true. That's a good point. I I would think if there's anyone in the SEC outside of like Arkansas and A&M you develop a rivalry with that's random, it would be Alabama. But that's true. Uh, something happens controversial a couple times against Florida, Tennessee, or Georgia, mm-hmm. you got something different on your hands. Well, uh, one last thing on the Texas deal. What if – we make the move to the SEC. We continue to be in the conversation. Let's say we maintain our level of play, and and Texas is just they can't they can't get it together, and they're crap. Like if they keep spitting out five and seven seasons, that'll change things. That would change that, things. Yes, but if Texas, because you know, if you remember, whenever the Big Twelve was the best conference in college football. When you had Oklahoma, Texas, um, Nebraska, Kansas State, all really kind of right there in their heyday, the reason it was still huge is because Texas was still a top 10 team every year, and they were in your division. You had to win it to make the Big 12 championship. Obviously, all of the history that's there as well, but it wasn't just history. Like right now, it's just history. Uh, It's not – it's not an important game. Like, that game doesn't get you into the playoff over something else. Like, beating Baylor is more likely to get you into the playoff than beating Texas. That's why I say Texas needs to get back to having a D-bag for the head coach. <laughs> that's That rescues everything. Five and seven, it does not matter. Uh, that's good. Uh, if the O-line plays well, OU will be really good on offense. If not, it's going to be a struggle. You can sum up the offense, I think, as simple as that text, man. Yep. You know? There is a chip on the shoulder, state and program. Best thing you could do for OU is underestimate and disrespect them. Totally agree. Uh, let's see. Basically telling us uh, to stop worrying about the offseason, the negative offseason height. This no, team will I, be just fine. I totally agree. It just, you know, we have to talk about something on here. You know, we've content, content, content. We've got to come up with something to talk about. And, you know, the fact that, continuously for reasons that seem unknown to us the national conversation around Oklahoma is pretty dismissive I don't think you guys understand the one seven or three six the seven or six rotates so everyone has to play everyone at least twice every four years understand that? yeah yeah we understand that well hang on here's here's what I'm saying though 
I, I know why you're you're alluding to maybe I don't understand it. Well, they tell us that that's how they're doing it so you can play everyone. But they could do that right now with their scheduling, and they don't do it. That's why I'm saying I, I like it, but I need an assurance that you're going to actually mix up the scheduling and not continue to give the top dogs easy schedules. Wow. That's what I'm saying. And, uh, I know they're saying they're going to do it, but saying it and actually having it come to fruition, because they could do it right now to where they had better scheduling in the SEC, but they don't. They play favorites. The rebuttal to that is, well, I mean, you just said the top dog, so OU is in that group. There'll also be an initiation yeah, right. phase that happens right when OU rolls into the conference. They're going to throw Oklahoma the Arkansas Seriously. schedule from 2020. On steroids. Which I would love. I mean, I'm hey, I'm here for the challenge. Bring it on. But, yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. Stay tuned. All right, final segment on The Rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We are the homeless Sooner fans. It is The Ref. Uh, breaking news from OU football. O-lineman Daryl Simpson has entered into the transfer portal. Former four-star prospect, six foot eight, 348 pounds. Ooh. Played in just one game in his career. Last year's 76 nothing win over Western Carolina. Was a fifth-year senior, but going to have trouble breaking the two deep this year. Not that big of a surprise, but Daryl Simpson's in the portal. Huh. Now, is that a because he missed the window to get into the portal, but I'm guessing he's a graduate. So does that change his can I'm he guessing be eligible? maybe he can't be eligible next year. Maybe he has to sit out. Yeah, that's the the whole the timeline thing's confusing for me as well. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that is um hmm. Fascinating. Maybe someone out there knows. If you know what the deal is with that, let us know, and maybe we'll have some clarification on it on it tomorrow. But, well, there you go. I say no harm, no foul here. Best of luck to him. No harm, no foul, and probably clears up a roster spot perhaps. Yeah. And there's yeah. still plenty of guys in the, in the transfer portal right now, so maybe we'll have some movement there. And I don't know if we 